the Braves Craze Podcast with your host, the Braves Doctor. What's up, Braves country? Welcome to the Braves Craze Podcast. It's Tuesday, September 10th, 2019, and I'm your boy, the Braves Doctor. As always, before we start, please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform, and please follow me on Twitter, at Dr. Braves. Again, on Twitter, that's at Dr. Braves. So in today's episode of the Braves Craze, we'll talk about the week that was with the Blue Jays and the Ever Huge Nats series. We'll talk about where the Braves stand now in the playoffs and their chances going forth in the playoffs, and then we'll close today with another fun list this time of the top five favorite Braves historically all time. So let's get into the week that was. Uh, The Braves had six games last week, uh, and actually they played a game last night for the Phillies, so that makes seven. We'll count the week six, though. Uh, They went five and one for the week, uh, taking two from the Blue Jays and then three out of four from the big national series in Atlanta. Uh, I will say last night on Monday night, to begin this week, the Braves did beat the Phillies 7-2 in Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. So let's start with the Blue Jays a second, and we won't spend long there. Uh, that was kind of holding serve. The Braves were supposed to win those two games. Uh, they did just that in, in nice fashion uh, and set themselves up for the big series with the Washington Nationals. Uh, coming in there, the Braves, I believe, were seven games up in first place, maybe eight up. I'm sorry, I think it was eight games in first place. Uh, The Braves took the first three games from the Nationals uh, and threatened to sweep to only be beaten Sunday handily by the Nats uh, to to take the lead to nine games as they finished the series. So the Braves finished the weekend nine up. Uh, They beat the Phillies last night. Now the lead stands at nine and a half games up. Uh, Magic numbers for the Braves. I believe the magic number currently as we speak is five to clinch the playoffs and ten to clinch the division title for the National League East. So the Braves sit in really good in a really good place. Uh, let's talk about the National Series a minute uh, and kind of what happened. Uh, I, I did a preview show before saying what needed to happen for the Braves to to beat the Nationals. And my first thing I discussed was Ron Lacuna. Uh, Ron Lacuna did lead off uh, or did hit a home run in Game One of the series, but didn't do a lot else in that series. But he did get us that one home run. Walked a couple times, got on base. So Ronald was a little better. Uh, but Ozzie Albies, Josh Donaldson, and Freddie Freeman with some timely hitting from Brian McCann, Matt Joyce, picked up the slack uh, in the series and really hit the ball great and carried the Braves' offense to a great place. And then my second key to winning the series that I mentioned before the series was starting pitching, and man, did that work. Uh, I tell you what, this, this series to me uh, put the Braves' starting pitching above the hump and on the map for what they did. Uh, let's start with Max Freed in game one. Max Freed was unhittable. He allowed one blue pit in the game. Uh, was awesome. No earned runs. Uh, he looked like an ace. He really did. Uh, you know, it's no secret my how much I love Max Freed. And he's a guy I've always thought was going to be a, a really good pitcher. The curveball spin rate, uh, the fastball in the mid-90s and up upper of that sometimes. Uh, Max, Max had that all on display Friday, I'm sorry, Thursday night in, in game one, uh, was just incredible. You know, when Max Freed is on, when his stuff is there, he's as good as anybody in the National League. 
Uh, I really believe that. And, and I think, you know, if we can keep this Max Freed out there consistently at pitching the way he's been pitching the last month or so uh, in the playoffs, he's a guy you got to run out there early in the series and, and, and maybe get him a second start if need be in a seven-game series. So uh, great job by Max Freed. Uh, game two, Dallas Keuchel went out there, also allowed no earned runs. Now, I will tell you, Dallas scared me to death. Uh, he had base runners all over the place, uh, and he kept getting out of it. He made pitches. So, you know, the veteran pitcher in Dallas and the signing we had has is, is paid off for sure. But Dallas Keuchel, uh, again, added to the Braves' starting dominance over the weekend at pitching and by allowing no earned runs uh, for his game on Friday night, leading to a Braves' victory. Then on Saturday, Julio Tehran went out there again and did what he's been doing for quite some time. Uh, only allowed one earned run, dominated again. Uh, I mean, you know, Julio has been amazing, especially for a guy who we thought this time last year might not be on the team in 19, especially this time in 19. And uh, not only is he here, he's been one of the best pitchers on the team consistently all year. So uh, between Max Freed, Dallas Keuchel and Julio Tehran over a three-game stretch of the Nationals, they allowed a combined one-earned run. Uh, you couldn't ask for anything more from these three guys, uh, and, and you couldn't, couldn't expect more. And, and, and what a great series for the, the Braves starting pitching. Uh, you know, I haven't mentioned Mike Soroki yet on Sunday. That's the guy we're usually most confident in. And Mike was not himself. He only he allowed four earned runs, which is not horrible. Uh, but, you know, in, in this series, it was followed by Chad Sabatka, who struggled all year and been back up from the minors now at September roster call-ups. He allowed four more behind Max or behind Mike Soroka, excuse me, and uh, the game got out of hand on Sunday quickly. But uh, again, you know, three out of four from the Nats, the Braves really need to only split. Uh, anything more, three out of four or sweep, would kind of set the, the tone in my mind and did set the tone in my mind for the division, which is now up to nine and a half game lead. It'd be very, very tough on anyone, the Nationals, to catch the Braves at this point in time uh, without some sort of debacle from Atlanta's side. And I'll first be the first to tell you the way we're playing, I don't see that happening. So the Braves, in my mind, have gone out there and, and, and drove a nail in the coffin for the Nationals, the National Geese with this series. Uh, you know, by watching the games on TV, I would love to have been there, but I was not. Uh, great crowds, great energy for the whole weekend. Uh, this team has, has turned a corner in my mind and looks like a different team uh, playing baseball down the stretch of September and leading into October for the postseason now. And that is a huge thing for this team. So let's transition now and talk about for a second where the Braves kind of stand uh, going forward. And, and, you know, I'm going to do that more on a, our hopes for the playoffs and our hopes for uh, postseason awards and, and, and victories. Uh, you know, I would have told you coming into this year, and even probably a month ago, maybe a few weeks ago, I didn't think the Braves were quite ready to take the next step and, and, and win it all yet. Uh, the Braves were an improving team. Uh, it's safe to say, no matter what happens, the rebuild is ahead of schedule. Uh, you know, we have we have really, really stepped up and, and, and gotten to the next level quickly with the rebuild. Uh, but I did not really think before – this past few, few few games and few weeks that the Braves were quite ready to comp- contend for a world championship yet. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I've changed my mind on that. Uh, the Braves have changed my mind on that one. Uh, that started with the Dodgers. You know, we were all sort of saying, well, the Braves, maybe the second best team in the National League, even now, but the Dodgers are another story. And that was until before we beat the Dodgers, two out of three uh, in Atlanta a few weeks back. So that made us think, well, wait a minute now. 
this is the team that that we uh, we got to be. And, and and by the way, we did that without Nick Markakis, uh, with, with some holes in the outfield and some players coming off injuries and different things. We weren't really at full strength, particularly offensively, uh, and we still won that game or won that series. Uh, we also went to Minnesota before that and, and beat the Twins, who were one of the, the American League's top three or four teams, and are an offensive juggernaut. And we, we go into Minnesota and basically outslugged them, uh, hitting the ball out of the park uh, with regularity there. And now uh, the Nationals, in the biggest series, as I mentioned last week, we would play this year in my mind, come to Atlanta for four, and we look dominant, uh, you know, versus the Nationals at home, beating them three out of four, and honestly having them in a spot to sweep and just had a bit of a letdown on Sunday. So I think the message was sent to the Dodgers, to the Twins, and to the Nationals by the Braves that we have arrived, we are here, and we're for real. And and now I will tell you that, that you know, I, I expect the Braves to, to get to the National League Championship Series, and I expect them to give the Dodgers uh, everything they've got, and, and I would not be shocked to see the Braves go to the World Series this year, uh, really in year two uh, of the arrival from the rebuild. Uh, and, you know, you get the Braves in a series with anyone, the way these guys are pitching – and the way the Braves hit and come from behind, I like our chances, man. I mean, I think we've got a good shot to win the National League. And, you know, the American League, the Yankees, the Twins, and the Astros are the teams over there. And to me, it's the Astros. You know, Houston's really good. Uh, Houston was where we were a few years back. They were rebuilding all this young talent, and all of a sudden they arrived. And, you know, think about it. They got there in year two of the rebuild was their first championship. They got there quicker than they expected and than others expected, and they won the whole thing quicker. And that Braves are kind of sitting there right now. I mean, I, I'm not saying we'll win the whole thing necessarily yet, but I, like I said, I, I do think that when I would have said we weren't really ready, I think we're there, and I think we're a little ahead of schedule, and, uh, again, I like our chances. Uh, one of the things for the Braves also that, that gives me this feeling of liking our chances, we seem to have this X factor. And these guys believe – they play together. They never quit. They come back. Uh, and, you know, I would I would suggest it's a team chemistry and it's Brian Snicker. Uh, you know, Brian got some some criticism from, from, from folks early on in his, his managerial career. And, and as I said before in the podcast, I have no idea why that was. I mean, the guy's done nothing but come up and, and overachieve from where they were supposed to be to now making them one of the best teams in baseball. And I think Brian Snicker is a premier manager in this league. And, yeah, I know he's won manager of the year already, but if he's not manager of the year this year from the job he's done, I don't know who he is. Uh, you know, again, this team has that X factor. They have gelled together, and, and they go out there every game believing they can win. And at this point in time, uh, who are we to tell them they can't? So, you know, a lot of tough competition in the American League as well, like I said. Uh, the Yankees are the team that sort of I'm not really sure – They've won all these games. I'm not really sure how, but, uh, you know, they keep on winning. And then the, and then the Astros are, are sort of the scary team with pitching and, and offense combination that's really, really strong uh, on both sides from the Astros. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that's my take on where the Braves are in the weekend series with the Nationals. Uh, you know, also to note, the Braves are now 35 games above 500. And that, that sounds awesome, but in 35 games above 500. Um you know, we are in, in a great spot, and I do believe the National League East is over at this point in time. Uh, the Braves have gone out and established themselves and, uh, and made themselves the premier team in the National League. So uh, we'll be back in a moment.
Welcome back to the Braves Craze Podcast. So this is going to be one of those fun segments where we do a ranking list. Previously, I ranked my top five favorite current Braves players. Uh, and now, uh, in this segment, I'm going to rank my top five favorite all-time historical Braves players. Uh, so, again, these may not necessarily be the best Braves players in your opinion, but they're going to be my favorites uh, of history. Now, here's who won't be on the list. Here's kind of the, the ground rules for this list. Uh, it can't be anyone current. So you all know I love Ronald Lacuna, but Ronald will not make this list because, because he's an active current player. Uh, it also won't be anyone that I didn't see play. So I love Hank Aaron, but, but I'm not old enough to have seen Hank Aaron play. So Hank Aaron or Warren Spahn will not make this list. And again, that's no disrespect to Hank Aaron, Warren Spahn, or for that matter, Ronald Lacuna. Uh, I just never saw the, the older guys play, and then uh, I'm not going to count any current players. So I've been watching the Braves since the late 1970s uh, through now, so that's going to be kind of where this list comes from. So my daughter Macy is going to narrate uh, this list with me and call out my top, t my top five players, and we're going to start with honorable mention. So Macy, who are honorable mention players? So the first honorable mention is Ron Gant. Okay, so Ron Gant. Uh, was a guy that played on the Braves with a lot of the big guys in the 90s. Uh, Ron was a little small second baseman who came up through the minor leagues. And I say small, he was 5 feet 9. But as you know, Ron Gant was a big, strong, muscular guy who had a lot of speed. Uh, ended up playing some third base and then moved to the outfield because of his back. Could really hit, uh, hit the ball a long way. Was known to have the big muscular arms and kind of shirt bulging out on the, on the, uh, on the field. Again, not a tall guy, but a really strong kid, a nice kid. Ron has gone on to do some broadcast work with the Braves over the last few years uh, on Fox Sports South and some commentary after the game. So Ron Gant makes honorable mention. Who else, Macy? Tom Glavin. Yeah, we all know Tom Glavin, a Braves legend. Uh, one of the big three pitchers uh, from the 90s in the, in the World Series and all the straight pennants in a row from the Braves. Uh, you're probably thinking, how in the world is Tom Glavin not on my top five? Well, Got some more guys in there from, from earlier that you'll see in a second. But Tom Glavin was a great pitcher. I watched Tom come up from the minor leagues. Uh, never threw all that hard, but just got better and better and better. Uh, smart guy. Uh, used his head to pitch. Located. Uh, had a great changeup. So Tom Glavin makes the honorable mention list. And it makes you one more, right? John Smoltz. Yeah, John Smoltz, another one of the big three pitchers. Uh, the Braves acquired John Smoltz in a trade with the Detroit Tigers. Uh before the early 90s or so, around the, the 90s anyway, for Doyle Alexander. The Tigers were trying to make the playoffs. The Braves had Doyle, and, uh, you know, they, they moved him over the Tigers. The Tigers ended up winning, and the Braves got John Smoltz. The Braves obviously won. Uh, you know, John works for MLB Network now. You see him on TV a good bit. He threw 95, 96, 97 miles an hour in his heyday. And then John had some arm trouble and moved to the bullpen and ended up being the closer for the Braves. And that was one of the cooler things because John came in there and just aired it out, throwing so hard, and ended up being a great starter and a great closer. So John Smoltz, also honorable mention. Okay, so we've given the honorable mention list. Let's move to the top five. We'll start with number five. So Macy, who we got? Bob Horner. Bob Horner, number five for the Braves. Bob Horner uh, drafted out of Arizona State uh, and actually never went to the minor leagues. The only player that I know of in the Braves that never played a day in the minor leagues was a great college hitter, uh, ended up being a really good power here in the pros. Uh, Bob actually played in the late 70s, maybe even the early 80s before he broke in, uh, but played a number of years of the Braves. Third baseman, 
uh, moved to first base, actually played a little second base in college, but played third and then first for the Braves. Bob was a fierce power hitter. His biggest problem for the Braves was he couldn't stay healthy. Uh, he kept getting hurt, but he had some big home run years. Uh, a, a stat for Bob Horn that no one else that I know of in the Braves can say, he actually hit four home runs in one game, did Bob Horner. So uh, he was part of a fierce duo that I'll, I don't want to give away another player on my list since I get back in the 80s of a one-two punch hitter-wise that I'll talk about in a second. So Bob Horner, number five. Macy, who's next? Number four. Chipper Jones. So Chipper Jones. Okay, so you're probably saying, how in the world can you put Chipper Jones at number four? Chipper Jones is one of the greatest Braves of all time, no question. Uh, you know, I, I love Chipper Jones. Uh, but again, this is my list of favorites, not necessarily best players on the Braves. So Chipper, you know, we all know Chipper. We can talk about this forever. Uh, maybe the greatest switch hitter of all time in baseball, much less on the Braves. He's certainly up there. Third baseman for the Braves. Early on played some shortstop. I mean, what do you say about the guy? Great hitter, great home run hitter, uh, great teammate. And ended up being a really good defensive player all around. Uh, Hall of Fame player Chipper Jones, number four for me. Macy, who's number three? Number three is Ryan Klesko. So Ryan Klesko came up with Chipper Jones about the same time in the minor leagues, and these two guys were killing the ball all over the place. Ryan Klesko is the big, strong, burly, left-handed first baseman that came up and ended up playing some left field for the Braves. Uh, you know, you've heard the term light tower power, where the guy hits the home run so far, so high into the outfield. Uh, this was Ryan Klesko. I love the guy that hit the big, strong, powerful home runs. Uh, and that was Ryan. He had a nice career with the Braves, uh, you know, hit quite a few home runs, ended up losing first base job to Fred McGriff when, he tried, they, they, when they traded Fred back in the day, and then Ryan moved to left field playing out there to keep his bat in the lineup. So uh, one of my favorites to watch. Also, Ryan was a guy, he was about 6'4", 235 or 40 pounds or so. He was a guy, if your team ever got into a fight, you wanted him on, on, on your side. Big, strong guy. Again, launched home runs. Uh, kind of was one of the first guys to admire some home runs uh, for the Braves, too. So, top five so far with number five has been Bob Horner. Number four, Chipper Jones. Number three, Ryan Klesko. So, the top two players, Macy, number two is... Greg Maddox. Yeah, Greg Maddox, the third of the big three pitchers. And this is the guy I loved, man. I, I loved watching Greg Maddox pitch. He didn't throw hard. You all probably saw him pitch or have seen highlights if you didn't see him pitch. Didn't throw hard, but just carved up hitters, hitting corners, painting the black on the, on, on the plate, uh, making really good hitters look really silly with really slow pitches. Uh, you know, I, I believe Greg Maddox is the best pitcher that I will see in my lifetime pitch. Uh, I got to watch Greg Maddox pitch on my honeymoon, actually. My wife and I uh, went through Atlanta to go, in, go into our destination of St. Simons Island, Georgia, and got to see Greg Maddox pitch uh, in Atlanta, and it was a thrill. Uh, so Greg Maddox, my number two favorite player. You know, something about a guy with little goofy-looking glasses, looked like a professor or a teacher pitching again, uh, just dominating hitters like that uh, is it, something I loved, and Greg Maddox was that guy. So Macy, the drum roll for the number one player. My favorite player is who? Dale Murphy. Yeah, if you know me, you know my love for Dale Murphy. Growing up as a young man watching in Mississippi, watching the Braves on Superstation, WTBS, uh, Dale Murphy was the guy. And, and, you know, I watched Dale play for so many years on TV. Got a chance to go to Atlanta with my parents a couple times and see Dale play live. The first at bat Dale had when I got there, he had a home run. Uh, you know, th this guy was 
the best player, in my opinion, in, in the entire era of the 1980s. Uh, he was on a team, the Braves, that weren't very good then. So, uh, you know, you, you knew about Dale, but the Braves didn't win a ton until a little later in his career. But, but he won back-to-back -back MVPs in 82 and 83, which very few people have ever done that. Uh, he also was as nice of a guy and, and as good of an ambassador for the game as there's ever been. So Dale Murphy is, is my favorite player of all time for the Braves, uh, no question. So uh, read the list, again, Macy, from five to one for us. Top five players, favorite players for me, historical for the Braves. So number five is Bob Horner. Number four, Chipper Jones. Number three, Ryan Klesko. Number two, Greg Maddox. And number one, Dale Murphy. And Macy wants to tell us her two favorite players from the list of history as well. Who are they, Macy? So, okay, I don't know if I could choose between the two, but Chipper Jones and Dale Murphy definitely. And also, uh, in the house that my dad grew up in, I see Dale Murphy stuff all over the room. Like, you can tell he likes the Braves, even if you don't know him. If you walk in that room, you can tell. The other cool thing about Dale Murphy to know what a good guy he is is uh, – we've been to many double-A games in Mississippi for the double-A Braves, and Dale Murphy's visited there a couple times. And I've got a couple pictures with me and my daughter Macy when she was a baby, and Dale's holding Macy and shaking my hand when he signed an autograph for us and all those type things. So really cool. And another cool story there is when I was a kid, I was probably 10 or 11, maybe 12, I remember being in Atlanta, and I was standing down by the dugout waiting to get autographs, and Dale Murphy signing autographs. And I'm just thrilled to death. You know, I'm going to get Dale Murphy's autograph, and – you know, there's, there's a ton of kids there wanting his autograph. And literally, he gets about three feet from me, and they get ready to go take infield and have to go and dug out in Dale Lee's. And I was just heartbroken that I didn't get his autograph. And I did get a few more guys autographed during that time. Uh, I'll call, call a couple names from nostalgia. Billy Sample, he was an outfitter for the Braves. Ozzy Virgil was a catcher for the Braves, signed my autograph for me. But that night, they gave us a baseball for entering the game. You got three baseballs coming in. And I had a couple of those from my parents got them, too. And it was a Hank Aaron... Uh, replica signed baseball, and I was going to get that ball signed from Dale. So when I got to meet Dale in Atlanta, I'm sorry, in Pearl, Mississippi, about five years ago, I took that very baseball that Dale signed. He remembered that and said, you know, I, I remember seeing this ball, and I told Dale the story. He was like, well, I'm really sorry I didn't sign your ball. I'm like, well, you know, you couldn't help that. It was okay. But, you know, he, he's a great guy. I was very impressed with Dale, and uh, he is by far my all-time favorite Atlanta Braves. For listening to the Braves Craze podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to follow the Braves Doctor on Twitter at Dr. Braves.